This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London Transfer Deadline Day podcast. Brought to you by Anything Is Possible AIP.media. And this is the January window, 2022. And the window has literally just closed shut. And we're sitting here on Tenderhooks. We've been sitting there waiting. Well, we actually haven't been waiting because there's not been much to wait for, to be quite honest with you. The news came in relatively early today of the transfer that we were doing in. And other than that, we've had quite a few transfers out. And we're going to talk about that plus more on this podcast. My name's Billy Grant, sitting here in the virtual joint on Transfer Deadline Day. I've got my yellow tie on. Apparently, you've got to wear a yellow tie because that's what's done on today as well. Apparently, you've got to stand outside your house and start abuse to people and start making all signs and everything like that as well. So we'll be doing all of that ourselves to try and excite ourselves a little bit more on this Transfer Deadline Day. But it's been a little bit flat, hasn't it? Because I've got my man Laney in the house. You flat, Laney? Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's is a massive high, and then there's the rest of it, which um, you know we will talk about. But yeah, I was I was hoping, like a lot of Brentford fans, for just a little bit more. We've we've got a lot of outgoings, and we've got an incoming, and uh, yeah, so it kind of well it leaves us a bit light I'd, I'd say but you know that's this is this is what we're here to talk about and talk about it we will there is and there is an argument to say that the, the outgoing is a, is a big mountain and then we've got lots of little hills incoming and is there is the balance up between the two equal or is it slightly one way or the other we're going to talk about that on the show what else have we got on the show as well today we've got ricky from last word on Spurs and he's going to be talking about one of our signings you know one of our big high profile signings we have actually made one signing one big signing we've got Christian Eriksen coming to New Griffin Park this season we're going to have a break and we're going to talk about that Eriksen deal so transfer deadline day today and Brentford have got a massive coup we have signed possibly our biggest player our most famous player our, uh, our most capped player ever, Christian Eriksen, is going to be playing at New Griffin Park. Laney, are you a bit blown away by that? 
Yeah, it's, it's really exciting news, isn't it? You know, it's, it's not really come as a surprise. It's been really protracted and we've, we've known about this for, for weeks and we kind of, we mentioned it probably first on, on Beside. Um, it was mentioned by a, an agent, a Danish agent, just saying what a perfect fit he was and we, we kind of, we, we agreed. Um, but it was, I guess it was always something that it was, it was more difficult or more probable it was not going to happen than it ever was, not only for the medical reasons, but just kind of, you know, the him coming to Brentford part of it, I guess he had to get his head around that. Um, and I guess the, the kind of the negotiations haven't been as straightforward as they, as they would have been. Um, I think in, in purely footballing terms, it's, it, it is, you can't, you can't deny it, it is a, an incredible opportunity for, for both the club and the player. Um, obviously, there is a, the big question mark is, you know, what, what is it we're, we're getting? Um, we know what he's achieved in the past <clears throat> and we're all kind of scarred by what we, what we witnessed back in the Euros with him basically dying on the pitch I, I don't think we can kind of like skirt round the nuts and bolts of what actually has happened to him he died um and um he was you know he was resuscitated and brought back to life um <clears throat> and now he's in this incredible position where he's he's not only recovered and he's alive he's able to kind of restart his football career so um yeah, incredibly exciting. We've got the whole world talking about Brentford, but you know, from my perspective, and I guess what's probably been the clubs and the DOF's perspective as well, is it has to work for us. And but I'm I'm fascinated and massively excited to see how that does work out. I'm, I'm sure it will. It is, and 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 so the most amazing thing is, you know, I'm sure this has been the same for most Brentford fans as well. You know, they've been getting messages, like I've been getting messages from people going. I've just seen you sign Christian Eriksen, like with a big question mark and, and real confusion, like, you know, and this is fans from Premier League clubs. This is fans from lower clubs. And I think that this is kind of another step on the journey for Brentford of, uh, of this really weird, like mad, quite surreal sort of Premier League journey that we're on, where all of a sudden things happen. I mean, I was looking back to uh, a couple of, um, you know, a couple of old Sky kind of, uh, you know, uh, TV, you know, kind of games that are on, where teams that were back in the past, like, you know, like your Derby Counties and I think like your QPRs, and they were sort of showing their sort of with their Premier League games that they were playing in the, you know, sort of kind of 10, 15 sort of kind of 20 years ago and I was looking at these games and I was going blimey he played for QBR oh he, he played for Derby County you know he played for West Bromwich Albion like you know and they had sort of similar moments where they signed like really big players as well players who are big household names and there's always going to be a time I suppose when you get to this league and I suppose you've got to stay here for a while you know you're here for a year two years three years and all of a sudden it starts to attract these names and I'm sort of thinking to myself like Christian Eriksen he must have had a big question mark because obviously he's thinking, right, I want to play in Qatar. I need to play some football. I need to go somewhere where I trust the people there and I feel really comfortable. You know, I don't necessarily need the money. Yeah, money's great, but I don't need the money. What I need more is football and people that I will trust. And he's obviously got the Thomas Frank, who he's known because he's coached him in the under-17s for uh, the Denmark team, the under-17s. He knows Christian Norgaard. He knows Jensen. He knows a load of Danish people within the squad and he thought tell you something this is a, a right home for me so him coming to Brentford then working out the deals what got tip my hat to everybody at Brentford for making it happen it's not only good for us with Jensen um, with, with Ericsson because we're going to talk about a little bit later what he's going to bring to Brentford but also it's a case that I think people are looking at us thinking hmm hold on a second here if Ericsson can go there 
I'm sure like, you know, it might be okay for me to go there. And there's a, a few deals that we're going to talk about later as to whether or not we'll bring players in, if we're not going to bring them in, or are they going to come in in the summer? But I think, you know, those players might be looking at themselves thinking, hold on a second here. Maybe this is a, a place that we should, uh, we maybe should be looking at because it looks like it's a bit more happening than I even thought. Yeah, it is. It's a, you know, I'll go back to what I said is the opportunity. Um, and if it, if it does work out as we hope, then he's gonna he's gonna bring the best out of of the current team um, and the players around him, and he, he is gonna contribute a lot. Uh, you know, he will be. I mean, let's put it this way, mate. Anyone that comes to our club seems to fall in love with it. Let's 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 never forget that it's a special place. Uh, and uh, him coming to Brentford, I'm sure, is 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 gonna be it's gonna be. Uh, an enjoyable experience for him, and I, th- I think he'll probably get more from it than than he than he probably did think when when the, the first phone call went in. And I, th- I think the more he's found out about us, it's probably all added to it. And I, I, I think he would have been not foolish, but I, I, th- I think if he does stand any chance of getting back, he, he needs a, a squad and a, and a and a way of football like ours, um, and. The minutes, you know, he's got he's got an, an opportunity to come in and 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 really kind of blossom again. And assuming that there's no there's no hiccups with the, the medical side of it, and he's able to give a hundred percent because the last thing we want is him to come in and not feel confident in his his you know his phys- physicality or his you know his he, he mentally wasn't as prepared as he first thought he was. You know, all of this is kind of hypothetics. We'll see how it pans out, but. We do need him to come in and, and be the player that we remember him, not not kind of like fifty percent of that, because you know then then that wouldn't work for us. But I, I've got no I've got no no problems with this because I'm sure these are conversations that he's had with Thomas Frank and and uh, each side of it is is confident. Otherwise, it wouldn't we wouldn't have done it. I'm sure that is the case. I mean, Laney. Um, it's interesting because obviously, and if you heart yourselves back to the the European uh, Championship finals, uh, which were held mainly in the UK last year, but it's held all over Europe, as you know. And like I said to you, there was a situation where, as you said, Christian Eriksen, he was basically he was on death's door, you know, and he was rescued from death's door, you know, um, he was resuscitated, and uh, you know, well, you know, so miraculously, um, he came back to life, you know. And I say even more miraculously, you know. What less than a year later he is playing football, or he's on the verge of playing football, on the verge of playing professional football again. You know, now the reason why he has come to the UK is uh, he was playing for Inter Milan, and the rules were that you know the medication that he had, you know, he's basically he's got an implantable cartaverta defibrillator, okay, which is actually kind of being implanted into him, you know, um, and that is not allowed medically. That's not allowed in Italy. So they cancelled his contract inter, which allowed him to go anywhere, and that's why he's now come to Brentford. Now, I don't know. Do you any? Do you know anything about the, this this defrib at all, mainly? Because I mean, I didn't know anything about it. Did you know anything about it? How it works? No, no. I mean, only only a fleeting kind of yeah, back of a fag packet explanation. But no, it does sound like a bit of a miracle. Okay, so implantable cardioverter defibrillator or an ICD, it's called, and what it does, it monitors the heart rhythms. And if suddenly, if the heart becomes dangerously fast and potentially life-threatening, which could lead to a cardiac arrest, it delivers a small burst of electrical current to reset the heart's electrical system. 
Okay. So basically, it's, it's, it's capable of correcting most life-threatening cardiac, as they call it, arrhythmias. <laughs> okay. So um, the ICD is the first line treatment uh, for patients at risk for cardiac arrest. Okay. Um, and, and what's it done? They normally insert it below the collarbone on the left-hand side, just underneath the skin. It's connected to leads. They're passed through the blood vessel to the heart, and it's done in hospital, usually under anaesthetic. It only takes normally a few days to recover, folks, so it's not a massive operation, to be quite honest with you. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a slight bulge in the skin. It could be noticeable, especially if people are slimmer. Okay, so it's got a small risk of complications, and those could be like bleeding, infection, and so on and so forth. But, you know, this affects about two or three out of 100 patients, okay? Um, in effect, what they're saying is ICD, they save lives, but it's not a guarantee, you know, as in cardiac arrest caused by heart rhythm. The ICD would not deliver a shock in this situation. So if the cardiac arrests are caused by a shockable heart rhythm, then it won't get electric shock. So what it's saying is that this thing, they're wicked. They, they work really well, okay? But like everything else, you know, there's not a, there's not a 100% guarantee, but, you know, you know, compared to the situation before, it's a much better situation to be in. And there are people who have, you know, they, they, they carry on their lives with this. Like, you know, um, a, a prime example is Daley Blint, who used to play for Man United. He plays for Ajax and also plays for the Dutch national side as well. And he was diagnosed with myocarditis as well. And he had an ICD put in and he's been playing for basically Ajax and the Dutch national side as well with no problems. So what we're saying is that people could carry on a normal life with this. The technology, uh, which is amazing, has allowed people to do that. And sports people are, uh, are, are comfortable and happy playing it as well. And also the medical people, because, you know, they have to go through some stringent medical tech, um, um, tests. And like I said to you, you know, we've sort of kind of been quite quite in the loop on what's been going on with Ericsson for the last couple of weeks. And I know a lot of people have been asking, we've been quite low profile, but the thing about it is that it wasn't about Ericsson signing to Brentford. Signing to Brentford was actually relatively easy. It was going through the next load of hoops, which will include the medical tests, which were quite stringent and quite large as well, then obviously getting the permit to play for Brentford. So going through that, they're going to make sure, and everyone's going to make sure that things are going to be all right. So what I'm saying to you is that it, it, it's, a, it's a miraculous situation compared to where we were, you know, a year ago now. And the fact is that I think that he feels comfortable, the club feels comfortable, the league medics and everything like that feel comfortable that, you know, we're going to get, you know, that he could actually move forward and perform for the club very much like he did before he was injured. Bill, it sounds like you need something similar fitted for waking you up away on the, on the way home from away games. Just, <laughs> just a little bit of a jolt, just to just to wake you up on the train. That would, yeah. that would similar. That's right. That's right. Well, to be to be fair, some of those away days are very long away days, and and some of them, to be quite honest with you, after watching the match, the, the ninety minutes of the game, you're not surprised that I keep falling asleep on the way home. Anyway, like you we've know, got a, we've got a song about that that we won't sing now. We won't sing on this one anyway. So listen, but anyway, coming back to Christian Eriksen as well as the player. I mean. Again, we've talked about him signing for Brentford, which is amazing. The most cap player that we've had, you know, the most, um, you know, the, the most high profile player, you know. So Christian Eriksen, 113 games for Ajax, okay, scored 25 goals. Then he went to Spurs, 226 appearances for them, scored 51 goals, went to Inter Milan, 
43 games and he scored four goals. And then Brentford, oh, actually, no, he's not started on last year. Mm. <laughs> um, he played for the Danish under-17 team. He was there with Thomas Frank, under-18s, under-19s and under-21s. You know, he played around about 30, 40 games with them. And then he went on to the Danish national side and he's played 109 games since 2010 for them scoring 36 goals. He also... Um, Interestingly, he's lost two sort of major finals, two years running as well, two major European finals. He lost the Champions League final with Spurs. And then the following year, he lost the Europa League final with Inter Milan to, to Seville as well. Um, you know, he played with Lukaku, like I said to you as well, and Conte was his manager there. But in his last season as well, so his last season at Inter that he actually played, they actually won the league title for the first time in 12 years. So he's uh, he's won an award or two, as they say. He's got a, he's got a medal or two. He's won Ooh. a few cups and he knows he's a bit of a winner as well. You know, uh, again, that makes you feel quite excited, doesn't it, Laney? Oh, yeah. That's, this this is the most exciting for me. It's just like the how how he elevates us, the stature um, as, a, as a club. You know, we're going to get a lot more... Uh, you know, minutes on on Sky and um, they, the the media are going to be fascinated by him. But it's, it's such a good news story. It's a it's a good news story around the world because it, you know the football as as a whole um, <clears throat> it's shared in that in that grief in the shock um, of of what what happened back in the summer. So every everyone's got a stake in it because that I think everyone that cared where no, no one could watch that and not be really moved by it um, and for him to come back and play any kind of football is is kind of a, a story even if he was turning out for you know a non-league league six team back in Denmark it, it would have been uh, a headlines all around the world but for him to come back in the top flight um, and to, 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 to be almost back at his peak it's it is it is a miracle because this wouldn't have happened a decade ago. It's the science, and it's his his fitness before the injury happened. So um, you know, <clears throat> fingers crossed. You know, let's not let's not presume that there's not going to be any hiccups along the way because things things may not work out as as we hope. But you know, looking at it from uh, on, on face value, with everyone doing the due diligence on this, all the medical people doing what they want. And with his desire to, to to get back, then that the combination and his experience and his actual natural talent, it's it's you can't you can't help but be skipping down the road as a Brentford fan. So, you know, it's 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 brilliant news. Yeah, and and it's just interesting because you're talking about Sky or BT, the TV companies. They've done a bit of a fluff actually because there's a bit of celebration from Bees fans because we thought, well, hey, for the first time for all of um, February. And all of March, it looks like we haven't got a TV game because TV have decided to shun us for two months, which is quite a rarity because we've been on TV quite a lot recently. So we thought, okay, we're getting ourselves knuckled down to three o'clock kickoffs. And there's the chances are that, you know, again, you know, this is not set in stone, but we're looking at the fact that, you know, he's still, you know, talking about his isolation and and, and he's getting his COVID jabs and all this kind of stuff. You know, Ericsson's probably not going to coach. He's not going to be coaching with, you know, training with Brentford, you know, before about the 11th. Of February okay so he's not even going to be around and training with us then so the chances are that you know he'll probably won't play for the Palace game 
you know, probably won't even be on the bench for the Palace game. He may be touch and go for the Arsenal game as well, which is a week later on the 19th as well. So he may be, or he might not be there. He might be ready for that. But maybe the week after that, you know, we've got Newcastle, you know, so maybe he's going to be around for the Newcastle game, which I thought the Newcastle game, because it's going to be one where they're going to need to be rising up, especially with the money that's been putting in and we need to kind of be getting out of, you know, out of that zone. I thought the TV might have gone for that game, but they haven't gone for it. So that could be the first game back that Ericsson's going to be about, but it's not going to be TV'd up. Neither the Norwich game the following week as well, which is obviously going to be a big six-pointer as far as we're concerned. So it's going to be quite interesting where it looks like the TV might be missing out on their big moment as well, which is the comeback of Christian Ericsson, unless they decide to do a last-minute scupper, which I don't think they're allowed to do. Uh, maybe they might have to beg us and uh, see if they can do it and they might have to pay the fans lots of money and mm. maybe get them, you know, pay for all their travel to an away game or something like that if they decide that they want to change a match at very, very last minute. Looking at Christian Eriksen, uh, just looking at the way that he plays and what we're going to do is that we're going to go over and talk to um, Ricky from uh, Last Word in Spurs in a little bit, but just us looking at this as well. Christian Eriksen, he's actually a very versatile player. He's known as a classic number 10. Um, his, his best position is like a free role in the centre of the pitch as an attacking midfielder behind the forwards. But he also plays as a central midfielder in a, in a like a 4-3-3, which will be interesting if we actually ever switch back to a 4-3-3. That is a position that he can play in. Okay, so that's where he played with in Ajax sort of back in the day as well. He also plays on the right wing as well in a, in a 4-2-3-1, which will be interesting as well, you know, you know, because obviously you've got Brian and Boomer there as well, but Brian and Boomer does and can switch wings. So maybe that's a, a situation there that we might actually get involved in. He's also been used on the left flank, on the left wing as well, which is interesting because obviously we've been looking to get a left winger in this window and maybe, you know, with Ericsson coming in, they're thinking, hold on a second, this guy's quite flexible. We can actually do quite a lot of things with him in the team. So maybe we'll wait till 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 the summer till we actually bring these 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 players in because everyone's trying to sting us for too much money or they're trying to mess us around. Like you know what I'm saying? But he also could be played as a second striker. Right? You know so he's, he's, he's known to sort of orchestrating moves with his team, distribute the ball, you know, he, he, he exploits spaces with his runs and he, he loads of assists. He's Mr. Assist Man as well, like, you know, he's right footed, but he also shoots with his left foot as well. And the good thing about it, which is interesting, something that we talk about quite a lot on the podcast, he shoots a lot from distance. So he's a person that will see something for 30, 35 yards, bang, see it at the back of the net. And that's something that we'd be massively missing at Brentford as well. And also he loves a free kick as well. So yeah. He actually likes a bit of a he loves a bit of a free kick. So this all sounds a bit exciting, doesn't it, Laney? Yeah, and he's he's so untypical of a Brentford signing, the the, the kind of signings that we've we've uh, be, become used to. You know, I know we brought Pontus in, which he he had more experience, but not not at this level. This this is on on steroids. Um, and you're right. You know that versatility is going to become so important to us. Um, and I, I, maybe it will it will see us playing a little bit more football um, as, as such. You know, it's, it has been highlighted. A, a few a few fans have, have, have said that we're not kind of playing that that Brentford way that we've we've become accustomed to over the last sort of three years in the in the championship at least I know we need to you know play to our strengths um, and you know it's, it's about getting results as, as well as performances sometimes but uh, you know we, if, if we give him a lot of the ball um, he's got kind of the quality to, to pick the passes maybe we see a different Ivan Tony. maybe we did see a different um, Brian and Bumo or we get back to where we were in the opening few games of this season where 
we we didn't we just did the opposition didn't know what was going to come so we get our patterns of play and we become more intelligent we're certainly be, going to become more dangerous um you know you said his assists and his, his, his shooting from distance uh and just his just his quality you know the, those world-class moments that we've seen um against us so often this season um maybe we, we start seeing them a bit more um from from our own from our you know from people in red and white stripes so yeah i, I it's as i said you know no no harm can come of this assuming is is fit yeah and and like i said just coming back to it you know brilliant at set pieces, which I think is going to be very exciting because again, sometimes, I mean, we've been actually, as we know, we, you know, everyone talks about us set pieces and talks about us being a set piece team. So it's going to be nice to have a different option for set pieces as well. You know, great long shots as well. Great at passing. Now, the passing is an interesting thing as well, as you said, you know, being able to pass the ball around, actually making passes, completing passes, becoming more of a passing side as well. And also his assists, because he's a great assist person as well. And I think bringing Ivan Tony more into the game, because this has been a big question mark with people about Ivan Tony, who's been working really hard in all sorts of other different areas. And it's just like actually getting Ivan Tony to come back into the area where he's doing his thing. So if he's got another person who's there actually feeding the ball to him, who's very expert in doing that, I think this can only be beneficial for, 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 for him as well. One thing I think people have to remember though, because listen, it's great we got Christian Eriksen and, he, and he's got all the skills that he's got. And I know a lot of people, you know, because we look at whose position that he's going to possibly take. And I think one person obviously is uh, Jensen because he's a very Jensen-esque type player. I think that the the strength that Jensen's got also there's similar weaknesses as well. And one of them is, is tackling. He's not, you know, he's not a person that's going to be uh, sticking his foot in and tackling, you know, in the way that you've got other central midfielders doing a similar thing or even attacking midfielders doing the similar thing. So I think that we have to be aware that he is a particular type of player and there's certain things that he will be great at. There's certain things that he won't be. So we're going to have to compensate as a team to uh, to, to allow for that. I don't necessarily see that as a problem. You know, you're right, to, 100% right to highlight that, that they're similar. Um, and, you know, we, we saw a, a Jensen really kind of came into his own after the, after the injury during the Euros. He, he, had some, he had some really good games, didn't he? But, you know, um, it, it, Ericsson may not be 90 minutes match fit for a while. So, you know, you might see the two of them swap in and swap out. So it's, it's not. I don't. I don't necessarily see this as bad. Bad news for, for Jensen. I, I still think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Um, and for Ericsson, even. Sorry, Ericsson. Yeah. Um, and Ericsson, uh, is it, is it, I just ask a question: Is Ericsson a good Jensen? We'll see, mate. We'll see. I don't. You know. Well, let's just see. I don't. I. You know. I, don't call me miserable, but I just want to see how it pans out. Yeah, potentially. You know. You put the two players next to each other. There's no comparison, is there? You know. He's done it. He's, he's done. He, he doesn't have to answer any critics, critics about what he's achieved. If he if he had retired and we weren't here, he he doesn't have to answer anything at all about what he's achieved in the game. He's he's on a level. Where he's, he's probably one of the, bit, the the most successful sportsmen in in Denmark's history, he's up there with probably the top twenty. So he, he hasn't got anything to prove apart from whether he can come back from this. And you know, as I keep saying, there's there's a lot of question marks, but hopefully he is a, 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 not only a good Jensen, but he's, he's he's the best player we've ever seen. Okay, so look, I mean, we've been talking about Ericsson a lot, but also we need to get somebody who has seen him play in the skin week in and week out. We're going to go to Ricky Sachs from the Last Word on Spurs podcast. He's going to give us the lowdown on Christian Ericsson. 
Hi there, Billy. It's Ricky Sachs here from The Last Word on Spurs. I hope you guys are keeping safe and well. Thank you so much for having me on the pod. Always a pleasure coming on and always a pleasure to talk about this gentleman, of course, Christian Eriksen. Listen, first and foremost, absolutely delighted to see him back playing football. I think we can all agree that it wasn't too long ago we feared if Eriksen would be even taking a breath again. So to see him back playing football is a fantastic thing. Uh, incredible player incredible person, human being. And again, I have to just reiterate what he went through in the summer. It's just fantastic to see him back playing football now and back in the Premier League and back with a really, really good team in Brentford, a side that will, I think, worship him. I think your fans, as I know already, they're going to be going out, buying all the shirts and really celebrating the fact that they've managed to get themselves one of what was not too long ago, one of the best players in Europe. He was a formidable midfielder. I think um, from my time watching him at Tottenham, undeniably, we've found it incredibly hard to replace him. I think we'd also, we haven't replaced him. He's been um, that good for Tottenham that we have found it so, so hard to find somebody that is a lock picker and that's so creative as what Ericsson was for Tottenham. He was the driving heartbeat in our side. He was part of the size that got Tottenham um, into the top four on a regular basis under Maurizio Pochettino. He also took the side to a Champions League final and, of course, numerous semi-finals for the club, domestic competition-wise. Ericsson, for me, was a player that would almost be the heartbeat of the team, that driving force, as I've mentioned. He's a player that you'd be able to give the ball. He would find a way through defences. He would find you the opportunity to almost unlock the key for those back lines. And again, I have to just emphasise, if you're getting that Ericsson, my God, what a player you're getting. He's an incredible, incredible player. Um, I'm aware that obviously he's been out of the game now for quite a considerable oh, good, you know, last two or a year or two in terms of um, the level of what he would be at. But I mean, listen, Ericsson on his day, he's a marvellous, marvellous footballer. And he's a player that most certainly can do damage. And I think for Brentford, um, it's a statement signing. It's a signing that shows that you're serious about staying in the Premier League. And I think if you just get half the Ericsson, half the Ericsson that we saw in a Tottenham shirt, you're getting a wonderful player there. And I honestly think Brentford have got enough to stay up because I just look at him and he's just a formidable player. And I really, really hope that we are getting that player. I think the only thing on Ericsson to bear in mind, I think his weaknesses for me would sometimes be his corners. I think um, he had that struggle sometimes of beating the first man. But uh, overall, free kicks, as we've seen in the past with Ericsson, he's got a real sweet soft for, uh, for free kicks. He's got a really good way of hitting the, hitting the spot. Um, I think at Tottenham, from what I can remember, of course, he was on numerous, um, you know, duties when it comes to free kicks, corners. I think uh, Spurs fans, we uh, never were that keen seeing him hovering over a corner, but a uh, free kick season, he's got some beautiful ones in his time at Tottenham. So I think, again, you're getting yourself not just a uh, player that can score great goals, but also a real good set-piece taker. And I think, you know, as a player, he's mature now, he's older from what he's gone through. I think he'll just love to play football and he's a player that won't take it for granted. So, you know, you're going to get Ericsson and um, 100% total commitment. You're going to get somebody that's going to give absolutely everything for the shirt and will just want to play football. I think the only thing that you guys will just be cautious of is I know already uh, your manager said, uh, Thomas Frank, that it depends the level of Ericsson. Obviously, he's been he's been training to a certain degree. It's just whether he's match fit. And for the Premier League, as we know, the Premier League plays at such an intense pace, such an intense level, that you have to be of a certain certain level where you're good enough to be able to handle the pace, the physicality of the game. I've got no doubt. I don't think Ericsson's lost the physicality of it. I would not think so. Um, but what I would say is that 
it does take a while to get attuned to the Premier League. And therefore, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't see the best of Ericsson straight away and gradually we see that in time. We know it's obviously only a course of six-month loan. I would imagine there's the option in there. And uh, again, you guys, please forgive me if it's not. I would assume there's an option in there for Brentford to hopefully um, potentially execute a further contract length to that if he was to perform really well and the move was to suit both parties. But I think for Ericsson, it's great for him. Um, because again, you could be concerning whether a Premier League club would want to take that risk of bringing somebody in based on maybe um, an insurance package you'd have to do for Ericsson um, for what he's gone through, obviously, in his lifetime. But listen, the most important thing for me is Christian Ericsson is back playing football. He's back playing the sport he loves and he's wonderful at it. And he's a very, very talented individual. And it's just great to see him back on a football pitch. And I think hopefully I'll speak for many, many fans, Brentford, Tottenham, uh, Danish fans all around the world. When we see Ericsson back on that football pitch for the first time in a Brentford shirt, I think we're all going to be so happy to see him. And uh, we're all going to wish him well. I think like I say the only time we're going to get luck from us is when he's playing against us. But um, he's a very, very special player. Of course, he's still pivotal um, for his country. It'll be interesting to see again how he does uh, feature for Denmark now, whether that will be fleeting or whether they'll look to try and integrate him back into the fold there because um, he was pivotal, absolutely pivotal for Denmark. You can't get away from that. He was one of their most leading influential players of that team. So again, I think they'll be keeping a close eye on how he goes at Brentford. He needs to obviously have a run of games before you can judge him. Um, but it's absolutely no doubt, Christian Eriksen, the player he is, um, if you're getting the player, as I said at the start of this, that was the same player at Tottenham, then it just takes Brentford into another level. I mean, he was such a special player. And I can honestly say now, Spurs, what are we, two and a half years on from losing Eriksen? We've still not replaced him. And we've tried. And I mean, again, that's when you know you've had a special player because sometimes you only realise how good you are until after you've lost them. And Christian Eriksen was, as I've said at the top of the show, such a special player, fantastic ability to create that final link, that final cutting pass, that in-between line ball that, you know, certain players find it so hard to play. He had it in abundance. He was that special, Christian Eriksen, where he would be able to, as I've said, play that eye-of-the-needle ball. So um, my closing thoughts for me is that I wish him all the very best. I hope you guys love having Christian Eriksen at the club. He's a very, very special player and very, very special human being for what he's gone through. I know he's in safe hands. I know you guys will look after him. And again, just want to wish uh, you guys all the best for the rest of the season. And yeah, we look forward to seeing Christian Eriksen in your shirt very, very soon. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. There you go, Ricky from Last Word and Spurs. And he's given us the lowdown on Christian Ericsson there, and he's, he's very, very happy with him. And I think, you know, big thumbs up to the bees as well. I think we're getting a lot of uh, props from like from everywhere, all around. I think it's not, I think, tell you something, I think it's almost a case of, it's not only the fact that he's kind of like, he's obviously got a lot of warmth in the world because of the way that he plays, the type of person he is, the football that he has. But I think there's a lot of people who are kind of sort of mildly surprised, but also quite pleased that we signed us. And these are sort of kind of sort of, you know, sort of neutral fans, as I say. So fans, fans haven't got anything, you know, I mean, if you go to Fulham fans or QBR fans, they'll say something different. But I think that there's a little bit of a kind of tipping the hat going on to the fact that he's actually come to us because in principle, and this is applying normal football rules because people turn around to you in football and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't sign him. What are you doing that? In principle, he shouldn't come to us because he should only come to us if we've got a massive checkbook, because that's the only way that teams like us will get teams, you know, players like him. But we haven't gone up with a massive checkbook and waved it in his face. We've kind of gone there with more of the ethos and what we're about. And he's come to us. And that's that's almost like a story football in itself, which I think fans who 
who love football as to what football always was, that 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 kind of warms them because they sort of think, oh great, football isn't necessarily all about the massive, the big money, the big teams. You know, all the brilliant players are going to go to the biggest teams in the world. This is about something different. Yeah, let's. I mean, and also let's not be naive. You know, at the you know the, our rivals. You know, the 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 other two lower league clubs in West London at the moment, they'll be going, oh, he's only he's only there because he's had a heart attack. He's only there because, you know, he's only there because. But you you can say that. However, yeah, that's that's a fact. But he, the, the the opportunity and the 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 education and the the, the kind of uh, what what he passes on. And let's also, you know, remember He's, he's at the end of his career, so what you know he's not going to be carrying on playing for for five more years. In, in which case, he's going to want to coach. And if he if he likes if he likes our club, then you know it, it could be the start of a relationship. So you know let's let's think about this long long term as well. You know, just the potential is huge. Yeah, and, and and again, we're still checking on the deal. I believe that the deal is a, it's a six-month deal to the end of the season. I think we thought that there might be an options for another year extension off the back of that, but I'm not quite sure if the extension is going to be there. It sounds like it's more a case of, like, at the end of the season, both sides will see exactly where it's going to go. Now, there's an argument that some people are saying, well, he wants to see whether or not we get relegated or not, as whether, whether or not he wants to stay with us. Obviously, he needs to keep himself as high profile as possible and he's got other opportunities. Uh, there's also the situation, I suppose, with Brentford that we want to see how it goes with him and how, if it works for us, as you were saying, Lane, he's got to work on both sides. So uh, uh, there's probably pros and cons in that situation. But I've, And it's interesting because I've, I've seen scenarios like that, again, you know, working in the music industry where you're working with artists and managers and sometimes you've got artists who are really good but what they want to do is that they want to come on board to you and they want to work together with you but they want to do it on a very short-term scale okay and you're sort of thinking oh no this is going to be really bad because if I blow them up and I do a like a short-term deal with them they'll go off to somebody else down the line and then and then all my hard work will be you know for somebody else but that's sometimes not the situation because all they want to do is that they want to feel, they want to get a feel for you because they know they can go anywhere else. But they know that if you're going to do a good job with them within you know six months or a year, they will continue to stay with you. So what they want to do is they want to stay with you to build your trust and to get a feel for what you like. So sometimes you kind of got to let it go to say, look, tell you something, I'm working with a really great artist here. All I'm going to do is spend the next six months or a year working with them, build their trust, get them to have real faith in me because if they do that, they will sign with me even though they could actually move on somewhere else and maybe that's the situation that we've got with Ericsson yeah and you know if if the very least happens and it's just until the summer and he can provide that extra quality that gets us guarantees us uh, Premier League survival um, he can help turn a couple of draws into wins and a couple of defeats into draws then it's it's mission accomplished, really. You know, yeah, you you can you let's not let's not get the the jilted lover kind of uh, mindset. Yeah, you're right. He, he he could he could turn up and um, he could do brilliantly and he could go off, but he's still he's still going to have his defib and um, he's still only going to be able to play in certain places. So it's you know his options are they're kind of reduced. Um, but let's let's just see how it goes. But I'm sure you know he, he adds to what we need to get us over the line and make sure we're a Premiership club for next that, season. That's right. So look, you know, moving forward, Christian Eriksen, 
Brentford player is going to be wearing the red and white stripes. He's going to be coming out for us, possibly Arsenal, possibly the Newcastle game, you know, or I'd say most definitely he'll be definitely be on the pitch by the time we go up to Norwich. Laney, just give me your heartfelt feeling. Yeah, just just genuinely excited. Yeah, it's it's a landmark moment in the club's history, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, it raises the elevation. We've had BBC breakfast. There's breaking news. We've been breaking news all day. It's it's just just like the the you know the night and the morning after we beat Arsenal. The whole world is talking about us. It no harm can come of this. We've not overexposed. We've not overpaid. Um, it's it's it seems a very sensible deal from both sides. And I just welcome him. And I hope him and his family have an incredible time. And, you know, as I said, he falls in love with Brentford because we're a special club. That's right. So listen, more deals have been done in and around Brentford. We're going to go away, have a little drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the transfer deadline. So talking about Christian Eriksen. So Christian Eriksen is in the house. You know, like I said to you, we're still trying to work out exactly when he's going to show his face on the pitch and play for the bees. We'll find that out probably in the next week or so next week, week or two. We'll have a little bit more of an idea when he actually gets into training. Um, other than that, Christian Eriksen, there were a couple of other deals that were done. There's only two other deals really that were done this season transfers in. And we're talking about to the first team because there's been quite a lot of B team signings as well. Um, there's Jonas Lossell, which we all know, which is our third goalkeeper that we've had this season as well. So he came in from FCM. So that's basically been our other main signing this season as well. There's a, there was a signing today, which is Dejo Satona from Nice, but he's a B team signing as well. And there've been quite a few B team signings happening again. And we're not trying to make them less or anything like that, but we were talking about the B team signings, probably a little bit down further down the line, maybe in a week or two, because the B team are, are going over to their big tournament in Portugal, wherever it is as well. So we'll be talking about the B team and how it's been growing and how that sort of changed over the years in a little while, but we're going to concentrate mainly on the first team. So like I said to you, Christian Eriksen and Jonas Lossel, the two signings which have come in to the first team this window. Now, this, you're thinking, Laney, um, I mean, there were other areas that we were looking at, weren't there? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're, you're right. So the, the the three incomings are all, all Danes. Lossel, we had Zanka, he's here on like season-long loan, and then obviously uh, um, Christian Eriksen. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing that I think most Brentford fans are going to be kind of scratching their heads at is that we still... We've still not got a right back in. Um, you know, that was, there's two windows gone um, after losing Dow's guard where we've not got, got a landmark um, right back. Um, you know, we can, we've had, we have had this discussion before about, you know, about the cover um, being there with Mads Roslev and, you know, that there are other players that can fit there and Canos has played back there. But, you know, we're in the Prem now. Um, you, we, we, I think everyone, including Phil um, and Rasmus, who was here at the time, looking back to the the meeting we had down the pub, they were they were hinting that you know that was something an area that they were looking at. Um, and then deja vu, we we've we've uh, sent Dominic Thompson out on loan. He's gone to Ipswich in this in this window, um, which kind of leaves us with Rico Henry really as our only. Uh, specialist left back 
Um, and of course, you know, as we saw last season, we've got, you know, Mazbek Sorensen that can, that can play there. We've got Canos that can play there as well. Um, we've got Brian and Bumo that can go back there. You know, we, we've got square pegs, but I think we, again, we were looking for a, a round peg for a round hole. And I know that, you know, um, Mazbek Sorensen has, has seems to have gone, come on leaps and bounds. He's, you know, we've, we've spoken very recently about how, He's improved, his positional sense has improved, um, his reading of the game's improved, but still he's, he's, not, he's not a wing-back. Um, and that's, that's the way we play or the way we like to play. So, yeah, we're, we're light there. Um, and I was, I was expecting some, something to come, to come in there. If you're sending Dominic Thompson out, I think that that's, that's, tells a story, doesn't it? That he's not even going to get a game, even when he's the only you know back up left back um it, it you you're you're expecting big news to come in and then uh yeah i think on a on a on a left winger i think we were looking for something there we need something there um on the right hand side obviously we've got we've got brian and a couple of other options and we've got josh de silva um who's starting to train again um so we we've got I, I personally think we finished. We come out. We close this window uh, weaker than 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 we were when we went in. And we obviously, we, we know we've got um, we've got um, uh, um, uh, Marcus Force who's, who's gone gone to Hull. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of a bit light up top as well. Um, we've got an FA Cup game. We've got an FA Cup run. We've got a, you know a relegation dogfight if that's what it is, or we've got you know a survival fight. We've got points to get um we have to we have to concede as well that we're in a in, in a covid era so another another round of covid that comes knocking on the door with with more stringent you know regulations about what what you need to you know um to to to, to, to have to be able to call a game off I, I, I just think we're we're a bit light um and I, i'm 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 a bit underwhelmed mate Okay. All right. I mean, there's quite a lot to unpack there because you kind of went through a lot of the transfers in and out. I mean, Ooh. let's just come back to that. I mean, let's start with the right back. So as we know, and it was well recorded on this podcast last summer, we went, uh, we knew that we were going for Vanderson, Brazilian right back. Okay. Very good right back as well. Brazilian right back. And we were going for him. Um, the deal was that he, in the end, it didn't come in the summer and we had it kind of wrapped up for the winter as well so he's going to come in this window now obviously Brentford thought that he was the barometer as to where we were going to go in the end Monaco came in for Vanderson which made it very difficult for us because Monaco with all due respect you know we are Brentford but Monaco are kind of playing at a higher level with us with higher players than us and he's come in and I've been monitoring him as well and he's been playing for them and he's been doing all right coming off the bench a little bit here and there you know but he's been doing okay for them so he's opted for um, for Monaco, 10 million euros, I think the price was as well. So that was kind of where we're at. Now, the word is, you know, and obviously, like I said, we talked to various people at various times about various things and exactly what they're doing. And we've been, you know, very much on the case with this one. And the view from Brentford, there's a, there's a couple of views. The, fir- the first of all views and the view that they've always had is that 
we're not just going to go and spend money for the sake of spending money. Yes, we know that they know, obviously they know that we need right backs. So they've been chasing the right backs from time. Now, whether or not people think a bad job or a good job, that's, you know, that's subjective. You know what I'm saying? But it's not as if they've not been going to chase it. Um, but I, from what I can gather, the, the, it's almost like the barometer is the Vanderson type. So they're thinking we ain't going below where our barometer is to bring a player in for the sake of it if we think that we need it right back, okay? Especially in this window. At the end of the day, you know, we can bring in somebody who is inverted commas substandard, but why would we want to bring somebody in on a two or three or four or five year contract if that person isn't the right person? Uh, I think also the view is, and people might think that they're being very naive here, but then, like I said to you, they're the gamblers. I'm not a gambler, but they're the gamblers. They've looked at the odds. They've looked at what we're like. We've looked at our team and they've looked at the fact that we probably need three, maybe four more wins this season between now and the end of May. And they're thinking, well, to be honest, at the moment, the chance of us going down are 8%. So as a gambling company that does this as a career, the chances of us going down are going to be quite slim because we're going to pick up points here or there, you know, whether or not we don't win for another month and then we win on one game and then we don't win for another month. I think their belief is, especially with the players that are coming back, that we're actually going to get something out of this season. So why would you buy substandard players for next season and the season after and the season after that if you're going to actually be able to get have a better choice in the summer or, you know, or, or whatever time that's going to be. So that's where the thinking is. And, and that's kind of come back very clearly where, you know, well, one, on one hand, we pride ourselves on not doing a Derby County and not doing a Aston Villa when they were throwing money at things and not doing even like a new or whatever these teams are and throwing money at stuff, inflating the market wherever it can be and buying players which may not be seen as worth it. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, Brentford to a certain extent have stuck to their guns, probably because they think that they're in a position to do that, you know, and uh, and that's the situation. So, no, we haven't got the right back. Yeah, it is a bit frustrating. It isn't. But also they must feel confident with what they've got to cover. And people might say square pegs and round holes. But the fact is that they're thinking probably these these players will actually probably do better than if somebody wants to charge us 15 million for a right back, mm. you know, and they won't do the business. So I think that we have to bear that in mind. And I think we need to kind of, you know, just 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 kind of look at where we're at and look at the bigger picture and also look at the fact that we just bought in Christian Eriksen. You know what I'm saying? How many teams would have loved to have bought him in? So we kind of need to balance that up. And I think Christian Eriksen is also featured in what we may or may not have done because they're thinking that what he's going to add to our game, if he is as good as what he was or even two thirds as good as he was beforehand, he will probably score goals in the situations where we didn't score goals like the Man United game or the Brighton game, wherever it is. All of a sudden, there you go, you picked up six points straight away, you know, that you didn't have before. So I think we need to kind of look at a bigger picture and take a step back. And I'm not saying everything's all right and it's brilliant, but at the end of the day, this window, we don't normally buy players in. And this window, we're, we're not going for promotion. And to be honest with you, we're not going for relegation at the moment now. So I think we're in that kind of funny mid-table position now where they've turned around and they've made a decision to say, listen, unless this player is going to be absolutely crucial and could take us to that next level, we're not going to go to it. So, you know, coming back to the deals that didn't happen, Brennan Johnson, you know, this was a deal. Again, you know, we know a lot about this deal and, you know, this might be ongoing as far as we're concerned. Brennan Johnson, a winger, very good winger. You know, we came in for him in the summer. You know, uh, I think we were offering maybe about eight million pounds or something like that for him around about that. You know, Forrest wanted more money, you know, whether or not we paid it or they didn't pay it or they're messing around. We don't know. There's other teams after him. We didn't get him. He's coming to this window now and he's actually kind of 
excelled from where he was in the summer. So his price has gone up. You know, Nottingham Forest want £20 million for him plus, but also they're trying to play us off against all these other teams like Newcastle. They know they've got a lot of money, you know, so they've played them off. But also the other thing is that they've also got their fans to deal with who are giving them all sorts of grief because they believe they're on the edge of promotion, even though in a uh, Rasmus Ankerson way, you know, they've only got 8% chance of promotion if you actually want to listen to as Rasmus would say. And that is the truth. If you look at any of the stats at the moment now, I know that they're on the edge, but they're probably quite similar to what Brentford were like when we were in the Mark Warburton era, which is really exciting and you're right in the mixer but when you actually look at kind of how they're playing and what they're doing at the moment now their probably chances are a lot less than the teams like your Blackburns and your and your Bournemouths at the moment now who have been throwing money at it big time but still it's exciting for them so they've decided to hold on to Brennan Johnson for potential 18 million pounds that they've been offered the question is I'm going to say to you will they be regretting that in the summer if they don't go up you know um, Ivan Tony, we offered I think it was 10 million for him in the January window when Ollie Watkins was still there, we would have had Watkins and Ivan Tony playing for us at the same time. Um, and the January window, and they turned that down because they said, no, no, we, 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 we want him in our promotion push. You know, if you, if you want to give us, give us 10 million and then we'll loan him back to us. And we said, no, he can't do that. So we waited to the end of the window. They didn't go up. And then we gave him five million pounds in the summer. So again, it's a gamble that, you know, we all take gambles. Their gamble didn't pay off. So I said, Nottingham Forest, let's see, because, you know, at the end of the season, and uh, you know, it may be great for him. So that hasn't happened for us, you know, but Brentford probably thought, you know, listen, we want him, but we're not going to push it to that level. By all accounts, we're really unlucky with that Brennan Johnson deal. Just talking to my sources up north or the Midlands, wherever you want to call Nottingham, um, the deal was actually pretty much done. Uh, I'm going to have to throw a few allegedly's in here, not because I'm trying to skirt around, but I'm just doing it from allegedly from a legal perspective because obviously sources and stuff like that. But the deal was done. It was actually ratified by one person within, within the club, which uh, from what I can understand, Cooper and also the MD were not uh, aware about. So it kind of went above his head. And then when they found out about it, let's just say that a few things were thrown against the wall and then there was a bit of pack tracking. So we had a situation where it looked like we were just right in there and like I think that's when all the newspaper articles came out saying we were close to doing a deal and then all of a sudden there's a massive backtrack and I think as a result of that as well and especially with the fans backlash as well um, I think Forrester to turn around and say actually we're keeping Brennan Johnson because we're going for a promotion push and I think there's a lot of pressure upon the person from uh, people around him that that deal had to be turned around so like I said to you as close as we can do also the other thing was that you know it's a bit of leaking to the press and you know Newcastle getting involved and stuff and the last thing you want to do in this stage is get Newcastle involved because as soon as they turn up with their wheelbarrows of cash then the deal just gets out of hand so I think there's a little bit of jiggery pokery a little bit of uh, uh, what's it kind of a, a transfer window jiggery pokey going on as well to uh, to actually get the deal done and also get the deal as high as possible and I think Brentford at the end of the day you know uh, probably a little bit of frustration in knowing what's going on a bit of frustration in the fact that the deal was actually out of hand because it was never in their control because there's all sorts of characters left right and centre involved in it so I think maybe just sit back and wait what happens in the summer. Keane, Lewis Potter as well they, they shut that down from Hull another young exciting player you know, 10, was it 10, you know, I'm not sure how much the money is on that one. I think it might be about 10 million pounds as well. I think that's been rejected on that one as well. But these things are ongoing because they've decided to keep him. 
I think, interestingly, Marcus Force has gone to Hull on loan, as you talked about. You know, I'm sitting down there wondering whether or not that's a bit of a, not a sweetener, as, as it is, you know. We know with Marcus Force, you know, how does he fit into the Brentford side? You know, he's been getting less and less game time. So, you know, put Force over to Hull, you know, I don't know what the situation is there. He's going to get, he's going to play every week, you know, pretty much. So, you know, there's 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 a lot of toings and throwings, you know, going on here. And I understand your frustrations, Laney, and maybe I'm kind of like, I'm just probably because I'm a bit happy to be here in this league and I, I really don't believe we're going to go down. I'm not worried about certain things not happening because I know that they will happen because I've seen them happen before. But, you know, I would have loved to have seen a winger. I wanted to see a winger more than, I'm not knocking Christian Eriksen, but Christian Eriksen, he's cool and I'm great that he's at the club, but I really wanted to see a winger because I'm just sort of thinking this is the thing that we are missing in our side to kind of give us that 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 impetus, give us that pace, just give us something different, you know. But then we've got Josh De Silva coming back, who's going to be giving us something different in a in a couple of months' time. So, you know, not too much. I mean, I've been talking about a few of those as well. I mean, Laney, you, you mentioned Dominic Thompson, and I know that's that's one that we talked about last season. Dominic Thompson, who went out on loan to Swindon. 12 months ago and then Rico Henry got injured about two hours later and you Ooh. mentioned that and, you, and, and and again there's a fear that something like that might happen again because we haven't got a dedicated left back is that right? Yeah yeah no I, I just think I, I, I'm not sort of sitting here down in the dumps I'm just I'm just saying you know that there, there could have been a couple maybe even the loan market was was something that could have provided the, the answers or, or the cover I just think we are light on cover and um, you know I, I, I do 100% get the you don't want to give someone a five-year contract that seems what we're doing if you're not kind of sure on them um, you know the try before you buy um, with a loan or just just a, just a loan would, would be would be ideal now I'm not saying they haven't even they haven't looked at that and I'm not saying you know um, they haven't they haven't tried I'm, I'm just saying you know we, we're sat here just after the transfer deadline day um, transfer deadlines shut and it's kind of like how do you feel and I'm, I'm just thinking you know it's, it's not it's certainly not it's certainly not like I'm not going to sit here and cry but um it's just a, it's just a couple really of of, of them of the, the situations that don't really make a lot of sense to me um you know um Dominic Thompson one is 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 absolutely the perfect example of we need a left back cover and we have but we have one so we've actually given given someone else our left back um, and left ourselves short. So that's that doesn't make sense. And then obviously, um, you know, as I said with with um, Marcus Force, it's just the fact that you know we, we we may need a striker and we have one. If we're not going to bring anyone else in, just keep what you got. Okay. So I mean, and and and, and interesting because again, put the question, you know, to find out why no loans are going to go in um, or no loans came in. To, to us as well and it was a very simple answer there were no good loans available so you know again this is a situation that you know we're only going to set ourselves a barrier so high so the clubs you know they've come back to us and they said look there's no loans available to us so we're not just going to bring somebody in for the sake of it in effect they believe that the cover that we've got is better than the loans that are available and that's why they've gone for it um marcus force as well because it's interesting because it's one of those ones where you're talking about balancing and the club turned around and they said look you know they said look Marcus Force needs to play and he needs to develop, okay? And we need to put him out. You know, he's, he got very little game time relatively last season and for him to develop, he needs to play. 
And he's probably obviously come to the club and says, look, you, you need to play me as well. So we've got that situation where they've had to look around and say, OK, we'll put you out. And, you know, this this is going to be the option within the club as, as to where we're going to play players. If uh, if we've if, you know, if we've got different players, you know, you've got your Mbumo, you've got your, you know, you've got your, you know, Ivan Tony, you've got Ericsson now, who, as we talked about earlier, he plays in all sorts of different positions as well. Like, you know, you know, and we've got other players coming in. So we have got options, you know, so, uh, you know, so that's going to be, you know, that's going to be interesting on that front as well. So, you know, like I said to you, it's, it's, it's easy for us to say from the outside, but sometimes we don't know kind of what's happening on the inside. And I suppose it's only until we ask the questions, which we have as besotted, we've asked the questions and they've come back to us and they've told us exactly kind of what the reasons are, then, then, then kind of we know. So it's, it's, you know, it's hard for us to say, you need just buy a right back. And if they say to us, well, there aren't, you know, there aren't any other decent right backs that we fancy, we get them alone. Well, there aren't anyone decent alone. Then the kind of your answers aren't there. And the only other thing that you could turn around and say, well, you're rubbish at your job. And then you can say, well, actually, well, if you look what I've done over the last five years, I'm actually not really that rubbish. So I think we've got to kind of trust I'm, them. I'm certainly not saying that, Bill. No, 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 I'm not saying you're saying that, but I'm just trying to look through the, the different options as to where we're at. And I think where we're at now, they're just basically saying, listen, the players that are available in this window, we've exhausted them. And the ones that haven't come, and we're we, we just to make what we've you know what you know with what we've done, with what we've got. So busy, we're going to say busy summer then, are we, Bill? Well, I I'd, I'd, I'd like to think it's going to be. I think by by the summer we're going to have a good idea as to you know what's what with us. At the end of the day, we know that we're going to have to improve on where we're at now because we had a good start to the season and then we had a a, a dodgy middle. And I'm going to say I'm going to actually predict we're going to have a good back end to the season. But I think they're going to know that next year we're going to have to go again and we're going to have to have a good start. And people do understand the way that we play. So yes, we're going to have to improve where we are. But I think the club knows that we all know that they're going to have an extra hundred million pounds in their pocket to buy extra players as well of course we don't go and spend that hundred million pounds we'll spend a portion of that money but the fact is that we'll spend that money properly having a year in the division having one of the players who's played for us who's one of the most high profile players international players and well-renowned players to go with in our cv to go to people listen do you want to play for us? Because this is what we've done, you know? And I think also a lot of players probably thought that we're going to come into this league and we're going to drop out after a season like Fulham and West Brom and all these other teams did. So they're thinking, why should we go to Brentford? Because we're going to be out of the league. If we stay in this league next season, again, it's another calling card for us. So I think it gives us more clout in the summer, is what can, I'm going to say. Can I um, just give a, diff- a slightly different dynamic as well? That apart from, you know, I've said I'm slightly kind of underwhelmed, I, the other part of me is quite relieved. I, I've, I've seen a lot of players move around today. Some of them very good. Some of them very average. Some of them going to Barcelona that I think are very average, like Triore. And I'm thinking, why the hell hasn't someone coming in from for Brian and Bumo? I, I, I just think, what a player he has been. And I'm, I'm massively relieved. I don't, I'm, I think I don't want to, I don't want to hype him up so he goes. But I, I, I just. I've seen some players that have moved today in, in the last in the last few weeks, and I'm thinking, you know, he, he's he's way better than most of those. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm nervous that in the summer someone's going to come along and wave a big number underneath our noses. 
Yeah. yeah, well, like I said, you know, hopefully we, you know, if that does happen, you know, obviously he's on, he's on a big, long contract and, you know, he kind of knows where his bread is, but we'll see how that goes. I'm going to come back to this Dominic Thompson because this has been a bit of an issue because people are talking about Dom Thompson going out last season and then he's gone out this season as well. I'm going to say it, you know, straight up and this is no ill, ill feeling on Dominic Thompson or anything like that, but he obviously, they believe that he's not, you know, the standard that we require. At Brentford, he had a great game against Man City. One game against Man City, I think defensively, in particular, you know, you know, attacking wise and passing wise, wasn't great. But defensively, it was great. Great to put him on the shop window there. Put him in the shop window. After that, he didn't get a game for a couple of games. After that, um, I'm sure. I don't think, think he was on the bench. Actually, he might have been on the bench, but he didn't play. I think that. Well, I think I think we know that Dominic Thompson is not going to feature in a future Brentford side unless he goes to Ipswich and he has such a stormer, he's on another level. But at the moment now, I think that we're moving on. We were looking for a, a sub left back as well, and unfortunately, uh, we were looking actually in, at the in the MLS actually, and I've been talking about the MLS, you know, and I've been giving dropping a few little hints here or there. It's a couple of teams that were looking at him as well. Watford were looking at this young kid, right, the young nineteen-year-old kid from uh, he's from. Atlanta as well. His name's George Bellow as well. And Watford were looking at him as well. And Brentford looking at him as well. I think we put in a bid for him. Unfortunately, he went off to Armenia Belfield, which is a team in uh, the Bundesliga in Germany, I think it is. Where is it? Armenia Belfield. I don't even know where Armenia Belfield is, but I I heard the rumour that he was actually going off to the... That's right. He's gone off to the Bundesliga. And uh, and it's interesting because a lot of MLS players go off to the Bundesliga and um, and and because that's the natural route for them. The the the, the Premier League um, is, is is sort of kind of you know the natural route for some of the sort of big high profile players, but the younger players as well they're used to to this uh, Bundesliga link. So he's kind of chosen Armenia over the beast, which is kind of one of the things that he's done. But again, this is one of those things which you know it wasn't out there. The rumor wasn't out there. It's kind of a, one of a, sort of one of the things that Besotted found out from one of our our. Um, all right, international USA sources as well, actually, like, you know what I'm saying? So we've got a few little calls about that, you know, and like I said to you, we're obviously looking, we're looking for a, a, a sublet back and it doesn't mean that it's going to stop there because obviously in the summer, again, you know, we're going to be looking for those um, players as well, but at least we're going to have a, a bigger pot to play from as well. So, you know, which is all good, you know, looking at a few other transfers out as well, Mads Bidstrup, he went off to, uh, you know, Norgeland, um, which is uh, interesting because Mads Bistrup, I thought he had quite a good season, you know, especially the back end when we, when he saw him and he played a couple of games, he's had a couple of blinders, didn't he? Yeah, he played brilliantly at, at Port Vale, didn't he? Yeah, you know, so yeah, he's off. I think Norgeland, is that Norgeland? Was that where, um, is that where, um, um, is that where, uh, was that uh, Norgard? Did Norgard come from there originally? I'm not sure if he came from there or was it... Or was it um, Devasoglu? But I, I know that we had, or, or maybe it was Marcondes, one of those players. One of those players came from Norgeland <laughs> anyway. But they're a, a decent side as well. The Marcus Force to Hull, though, that's like a city. We've talked about that and Marcus to Hull um, and him needing game time. I know there's a lot of fear saying, you know, if we get an injury, we're in all sorts of trouble. Um which is, I think there's always going to be the situation. I think the balance up between that is like how many wins we need to get between now and the end of the season. But the fact is you also got to add up the fact that Marcus, I mean, Marcus does, he needs to, he needs to play there, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. You know, he's a, he's a player that we've, we've all, we've all been impressed by and we can see the potential in. And I, and I do get it. You know, he, he was a real young kid and now he's not quite so young. And now, as you know, he needs to be sort of, you know, getting as, getting as many, 
um, minutes under his belt as he can at a decent level. Well, you know, we wish him well at Hull. Obviously, we want to we look out for him and hope he scores scores every week. Um, it's just you know, I I, I only I'm so Brentford centric. I, I only want what's what's right for our team, and I you know I just. I just think him being around um, is good for us. Yeah, if you want to, I'm not in the business developing developing these players myself. So you know, I don't work with them every day. Um, uh, if that if that makes sense, that makes sense. What, what do you think of Charlie Good going to Sheffield Sheffield United, Bill? I think it's interesting, man. I had Ian from uh, one of the Sheffield podcasts. Um, I was chatting to him today about that. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, he was saying that he thinks and he wasn't sure that good might be coming in as uh, in place of Egan, which I think is quite interesting. Now, I've been out all evening, so I haven't caught up on all the transfer use. So I don't know whether or not Egan went out or not. So he said he's either thinks he's coming in in place of Egan or he's actually coming as a backup player. Now, when I explained to him how he played and I said to him, you know, how he's improved week on week, you know, he started off slowly, but he's improved week on week. And basically, you know, defending is his mainstay. You know, the attacking side of him is, you know, again, he's not necessarily those players, but, you know, defending wise, okay, he was he was pretty solid, you know, in, in a Premier League side, you know, in the games that he played and he goes, that's just what we need. He goes, we've been an absolute nightmare where the ball's coming in and people are just not doing the basics. So I think they've literally brought him in to do the basics. So it looks like he might be getting some game time. And I think we wouldn't have loaned him to them if he wasn't going to be looking to get game time. So I think that's actually a good move for him. Again, again, just like Marcus, he needs game time because, you know, when he first started off, he was a bit rusty. But after he played a couple of months... He looked decent, but the fact is he was thrown in the deep end in the Premier League, you know, playing against all kind of big teams that were coming at him. And maybe him coming and playing in the Championship and getting half a season in the Championship will be much better for him for when he comes back. Same thing coming back to Marcus Force as well. I know that you say what's better for, you know, and to do what's best for Brentford, but what is best for Brentford? Marcus Force sitting on the bench and either not coming off or playing for five minutes, 10 minutes here, or literally playing for 70, 80, 85 minutes for Hull every single week, scoring goals, coming back, you know, and developing his play and then coming back in the summer. Because like I said to you, I don't believe we're going to come down, coming back in the summer, actually competing more for places because he's actually played football. And I think that's kind of how we've got to look at it. Because if not, you know, Marcus Force is going to be a player who's been a bit part player in Brentford. And then he's going to say, look, I'm going to have to leave because I'm not getting any game time here. And then he's going to leave and he's not going to have much value because he hasn't played much. So we've got to look at there's a there is a bigger picture here. And like I said to you, I keep saying there's three three wins, stroke four wins between now and the end of the season is what we need, you know. And uh, I'd, I'd like to think even our makeshift side <laughs> with the finger in the dam. As could actually kind of uh, can actually sort of kind of pull that out of the bag is what I'd, what I'd like to think. I mean, let's do a little comparison, Laney, as well. You know, on our rivals because it's important. You know, let's look at these bottom four slots because at the end of the day, if we're going to go down, I think we need to look at the bottom four to see what they're doing because they need to basically really improve their form, and we need to drastically, you know, get worse to, for us to start swapping places. You know, that could happen. So let's see what the, the activity is with these teams. So the first one we have to look at, of course, is Newcastle. Because Newcastle, um, they've got a lot of money. And they're the team where people are thinking, if anyone is going to be a danger and we might s- slot into their place, might be Newcastle. So Newcastle, they've been uh, they've been quite busy, haven't they? They've, they've signed, was it Guimaraes, is it? Something like that, £38 million. They, sold, they bought Wood for £27 million. They sold, bought Trippier for £30 million. And they got Matt Target 
as well. Who's your favourite player <laughs> on a on a free transfer as well, or a, no, a loan deal? I think it is. They've got a loan deal from Aston Villa, so that's what they've done to kind of uh, shore themselves up and get themselves into a, into a position. Does that make you a little bit nervous? Do you think? Do you think they might get themselves out of the hole? I mean, just need to get out of the bottom three. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know, I know our sponsors. Anything is possible, and like they've got as many as much money in the world apparently, and they've gone for that target. I, I, yeah, I, they could they could have had anyone um, uh, apparently. So uh, yeah, I, we'll see what happens with Newcastle. Um, I'm still not convinced they've 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 got quite enough to get out of it. I'm not sure they're quite they're quite a good enough team. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're obviously going to spend more and more money every window now. So it's uh, we better get used to that. That's right. That's right. Um, Norwich, interestingly, then when we said the flip side, because Norwich, they've they brought no one in at all. So Norwich, uh, I know sort of financially, they're kind of, they, they deal with themselves in a particular way. And whether or not they're just getting themselves championship ready or whether or not they just feel that their squad, Dean Smith can do whatever he can do with their squad, but they've decided that they're going to leave it as it is. Burnley was a was an interesting one actually, wasn't it? Because they bought in, uh, they've obviously sold Chris Wood for for twenty seven million, which they're probably very delighted with. And this is not a disrespect on Chris Wood, but um, you know he's I think he, oh, he's about is he about twenty nine or something like that. You know, so they got they got twenty seven million for him, and they bought so they bought a rather large chap, didn't they, Laney? Yeah, he's, he's eight foot six, isn't he? This uh, <laughs> this German this German lad, this Nick Prozvich yeah. replica. Yeah, Wout Weghurst or something like that. His name is nice. um, centre forward, twenty nine years old, um, and twelve million. I think they played for him as well. So they basically sort of kind of spent half the money on uh, on getting this player. And uh, you know, as you say, they're, they're very it's the tall. perfect fit, isn't he for for Burnley? That's right. Tall, tall That's big right. and old. That's right. And also the other team is uh, is Watford, and Watford um, they, they bought a player or two, didn't they? So. Uh, well, yeah. they've gone for about six or seven, isn't it? Yeah, they've got they've got sort of what's it, Samir, the centre back, Koi, goalkeeper, Kambay, uh, defensive midfielder, Kamara, left back, Kalu, right winger, Aspria, attacking midfielder, and then they've got a couple of others as well. Uh, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, they, they they seem to be quite um, yes, they seem to be quite lively in the old uh, transfer market, you know, transferring players in from Nice and Bordeaux and, you know, Sparta and Udinese, Calcio and all sorts of places like, you know, so uh, yeah, Watford uh, are, are kind of going for it. They've, they've sat their manager and uh, you know, they've got, they've got, they've got Uncle Roy in as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, and they, they're going for it. So fingers crossed that, you know, <laughs> they don't go for it too much is what I'd say isn't it so they've gone they've gone the complete opposite of what we've done they've, yeah. They've, yeah. yeah yeah so it's interesting whereas yeah. you know in, in in the exact opposite way that on the day that they they sacked Ranieri we for losing losing seven on the trot or something we've we've given uh, Thomas Frank a new contract for losing five on the trot it shows you the the difference in the in the vision and the long-term kind of uh, structure that's right that's right and and looking at teams who are I think they're not necessarily in that relegation slot unless they really slump because we've got Everton we've got Frank Lampard has come in there as well so they're looking at him turning around their fortunes I thought that you know if they were going to carry on with uh, Rafa, the way they were going, they were on a proper slumper as well. But they got they got Frank in. They've also bought 
quite a, quite a, spent quite a bit of money on players. I mean, they've, they've been spending ridiculous amounts of money anyway over the past what, five, six, seven, eight years. Everton they spent they've spent oh, a ridiculous amount of money, and so they've just thought, tell you something, let's go for it. So they bought in was it um, Mikolenko as well um, from uh, Dynamo Kiev for twenty one million pounds. They've also got Nathan Patterson, a right back as well from uh, from Rangers as well for what's it, 13 million. And they've got Donny van der Beek as well from Man United on a loan as well. And they've also got um, from Villa, Al Ghazi as well. So, like, you know, again, I'd say that they're, you know, they're going for it as well. You know, they're Dele going Alley. for the survival. Hey, oh, yeah, that's, also, that's right. Sorry. And that was, that came in sort of quite later, relatively later in the day. They've got Deli Ali coming Which as well. A so. fee that could go to 40 million pounds. Would you believe yeah. that? That's right. You know, he, he needs to sort of kind of um, liven himself up a little bit, though, Delhi, because I think he's been uh, he's been he's been he's been on the TikTok and then on the video games quite a lot as of late. And I think his enthusiasm for the game has waned somewhat. So I think uh, Frank Lampard's got a bit of work to do there to try and actually get him to uh, start to well, justify the fee that they might be paying for him if he plays because he's on a pay not pay as you play but they pay a fee after he's played a certain amount of games I think 10 million if he's played 20 games or so and then it keeps on rising after that so that gives us an idea of the, the clubs below us in and around that oh Leeds United by the way um, how, how much business do you think they did uh, Laney? Um, nothing and you, they did absolutely nothing no business at all. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. No, I think they might have loaned out a B team player or something like that to someone. But in, in effect, they've done nothing at all because, as you know, you know Bielsa likes to keep it tight. So he's keeping it tight at Ellen Road. So he's happy with what he's got, and uh, you know, and I think they'll be all right to be quite honest with you. Leeds United. So um, at Fosu as well. Fosu, people have been asking about him. He's still injured. So it's not a case of not necessarily being featured, but he's still injured and he's going to come back probably towards the back end of February as well. A couple of other players for Brentford as well. Luka Rakic, he's gone to HB Coach, or is it Coach? Coach, Coach. Um, yeah, there was some, some nice words said about him, wasn't there, Thomas Frank? Um, yeah, no, yeah, you know, I think he, he's another one that needs to go and get some minutes. You know, he, he had a, a loan spell at Northampton that didn't really quite work out, and um, yeah, he's, he, he goes away, goes away, and it's Daniel Agger is is the the manager at his new club, so he's obviously um, got a, a lot of experience with his time at Liverpool. So hopefully, he can pass that some some of that on. I think that's kind of the thinking, really. You've got a you know, a, a, a young Danish player that can learn learn from a mentor like him. So hopefully that's a loan deal that does work out. Yeah, we know obviously Joel Valencia going to, to Al Corcon as well, you know, and, and all the other players that have gone out as well. There's a rumour about Ellery Balkum. I was going to say this as well, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just checking with the Ellery Balkum as well. But, you know, we might come back to that on the Wednesday podcast as it is, like I said to you, uh, you know, no more words about that, about the old Ellery Balkum, you know, as, as we shall move on from that. But look, you know, we've kind of tried to round up what has, and some people might say what hasn't happened this transfer window with Brentford. Uh, I mean, me sort of summing it up, I say that, you know, we've got a, a very high profile signing in Christian Eriksen, which has got the world talking about Brentford again, like they did very early on in the season, which was very nice. And people are actually kind of coming up to us going, I can't believe you signed Christian Eriksen. What a great signing for you. What a great guy. You know, he's going to bring a lot to your game. So I think that is a massive bonus because, you know, if he can set up, if he can assist 
you know, in goals. If he can actually bring Ivan Tony into the game more, which we want him to do, that is going to be worth its weight in gold. So, you know, you're balancing up between that and what you think that any frailties may be defensively. I think that that weighs up quite hardly. So I think there's a massive bonus there in getting Christian Eriksen into our side. Yes, on the other side of it, we've got some players that have gone out. We've got a lot of players going out, which means that we've actually uh, we've actually offloaded a lot of players. I think there's two ways to look about this. There's the two ways is that you can actually look at it and say it makes us weaker. Uh, but you could also look at it and say we're actually offloading players that, to be quite honest with you, aren't going to get that much game time. And fingers crossed, you know, if we loan out six players or eight players, you know, who aren't getting much game time and two of them come back and they actually become solid, you know, first team players or off the bench, but really good, solid first team players. then that's a, a move most make uh, a move worth making. I mean, Laney, I mean, just any thoughts and any summing ups on this transfer window from yourself? Yeah, I guess we, you know, let's let's focus on 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 that one massive positive, and, and I think there there is so much good that can come out of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, listening to the, the the news permeating through all the news channels, we Brentford on news at ten tonight. We're on breakfast time this morning. Obviously, we've been wall to wall on Sky during their transfer coverage today, and one of the things that made me smile really is the, the people get it. I mean, Paul Merson, his quote was was excellent. He, he kind of just said, you know, it, it is the best story of transfer deadline day. And and, and I, I said in the piece earlier that, you know, so, so many football people around the world will be sharing this kind of massive positive. It's a positive for, for Ericsson, obviously, first and foremost, and obviously for us. And, um, you know, Merson said, if it was a film, you'd go and watch it. And it's, it's it's true, you know, it's it's, a, it's that good a story. That is, definitely. So listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London Transfer Deadline Day podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible. And anything was possible because we've got Christian Eriksen. And uh, if anything more was possible, we probably would have got a few more players. But we didn't. But that's no problem because, like I said to you, myself and Laney, we sat down there, we've shot the breeze and we feel a lot better shooting the breeze. And hopefully you feel a lot better too after listening to the reason thoughts, you know, and a few little rants there as well as to why we did or didn't get the players that we thought we would have get. But listen, we're still in a good position. We're still doing really well. And we've still got half a season to go with a good and enthusiastic squad with a very good player who's actually going to slot into our side very soon. So like I said to you, my name is Billy Grant and I've been sitting here in the studio with my man Laney. Cheerio. <laughs> Cheerio. Cheer your eyes and claw your eyes out, as I say, you know what I'm saying? And like I said to you, Billy Grant here and I'm very much looking forward to the match on Saturday. We've got FA Cup game against Everton and we're going to be doing another podcast on Wednesday night. So you check that out. Thursday morning, Pride of West London. Check that out as well but like I said to you transfer deadline is over now we've got all the players that we need we've got a squad that we need we know exactly what we're going to do we're going to go to the Everton game we're very excited we're going to say, come, come you on please. you bees get them players in trained up and let's go The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.